open the meeting on July on uh, January 23rd at 9:30 for Legal Legislation Community Partners Committee meeting. Um, with that, um, we'll go for roll call. Director Hoffman. I'm here. Director Ramirez. Here. And Chair Raleigh. I am here as well. Thank you. Uh, move for approval of the agenda. Everybody good with it? Kathy? Yes, thank you. Uh, Jesse? Yes. Good with the agenda? Summary as well? Everybody good? Yes. 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 Okay. All right, moving right along to item four, update by our state advocates on issues at the state level. And Carolyn, are you, uh, are you online? Yes, good morning, folks. Morning. Um, and a belated Happy New Year to you all. Uh, up here in Sacramento, uh, the legislature returned uh, in the first week of January to commence uh, the final, uh, the second year of the two-year session. Um, shortly thereafter, on the 10th, the governor presented uh, his budget, uh, which I will touch on in just a moment in more detail. And then we have a series of deadlines uh, in the second year for House of Origin bills, the two-year bills uh, that remain in the House of Origin. So uh, those bills are either moving or not um, by the end of this month, and we don't have any on that list, um, but the legislature is busy dealing with those. Um, the real on the calendar, the, the, uh, the next uh, date we are all watching for is February 16th. And that's the bill introduction deadline for this year's uh, legislature. And with that, as you know, every year when they come in and introduce bills, uh, we work with your staff to flag bills we think uh, will be of interest or impact uh, to Mojave and, um, and receive our direction uh, from you on how to proceed. So we're in that process and, uh, and each update will be uh, talking about uh, likely be talking about new legislation uh, that's been introduced. Um, so far, the bills are trickling in, um, and part of that is it's still early, but the other part is the budget, which we'll get to in a moment. Um, uh, the two-year bills that we are still uh, engaged in uh, with Mojave um, are the two water rights bills which are in the second house in the Senate, um, and that is uh, AB 460 on interim relief and the curtailment bill, AB 1337. And it's still uh, unknown uh, what the author's plans are uh, regarding those bills going forward. Uh, the coalitions uh, continue their work, our work uh, uh, remaining in opposition, uh, but the other thing uh, perhaps that may influence uh, those bills is the chair, the, there's been chair changes, committee member changes um, with the advent of the new speaker. And so uh, the author, authors of uh, both those bills um, have uh, moved to new committees with new responsibilities and maybe different priorities. And so that's a factor uh, we're all trying to ascertain as well. Um, the third bill, SB 366 by uh, Senator Caballero, this is a bill 
uh, Mojave's uh, part of the support coalition on this, and this is the um, uh, the attempt to get long-term water supply targets for all beneficial uses built into the California Water Plan. And that work continues. Uh, the author uh, will uh, try to move that bill um, out of the assembly and uh, to the floor. So uh, more to come on that. Uh, the deadlines for those are later this year. So uh, there's not a, a real rush uh, at the moment, though the work continues. And then just switching gears now to the budget update. Um, and I, I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this um, because it kind of sets the table for uh, really the rest of the year. Um, it's, it's going to take up a lot of oxygen. Um, as you know, uh, the Legislative Analyst Office came out late in the winter um, and said there would be, they estimated that there would be a uh, $68 billion deficit. Um, and as you know, all the IRS filings were um, extended, and uh, that uh, that is part of uh, the size of the deficit because it was unknown to the legislature before they left and couldn't take corrective action. So long and short of it is LAO comes out with the $68 billion. Um, then the governor released his budget on January 10th, and his budget deficit is projected for $38 billion. And so uh, just a little bit on those numbers because uh, the legislature will have to determine which number to use to solve for the budget deficit. Um, the, the difference between the 38 and the 68 are um, largely uh, a, a difference uh, in the treatment of Prop 98 and the Department of Finance uh, has uh, optimistic revenue uh, estimates, <laughs> uh, more optimistic than the LAO, and they, they come up with those formulas in a slightly different way every year anyway, but this is a, it's a big difference. Uh, the difference is about $15 billion in higher revenue uh, estimates by the finance. Department of Finance. And then the governor's uh, proposal also builds in um, uh, $750 million in workload adjustments that the LAO estimate couldn't have known about, and um, uh, another $350 million uh, for uh, uh, doing away with legislative budget requests from last year's budget. Um, and so those are really the the big differences between LAO and Department of Finance. <clears throat> but that will be a big kind of elephant in the room as the budget uh, process begins. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, the governor's solutions to solving uh, the, the budget deficit, um, familiar to us all, uh, spending cuts, internal borrowing, spending delays in the out years, fund shifts, for example, moving general fund to um, greenhouse gas reduction fund or other special funds uh, to cover. Um, there's a proposal for new revenues, um, but no broad-based tax increases. And they're also going to, he's proposing to use 
the budget reserves. And that would be the first time those have been used since they've been established. And so um, overall, LAO uh, uh, gives a, a, a positive assessment of the governor's approach to the, to the deficit. But again, the number's a bit different. And um, the governor also has prioritized infrastructure build out um, particularly for water and transportation. And uh, we see new funding in the infrastructure bank uh, for that and uh, maximizing federal dollars. And those are those big pots, um, IRJ and IRA funds that uh, the Biden administration and Congress passed. Um, and those uh, have a, um, uh, a water component to them which the administration will prioritize. Also, uh, budget-related important um, uh, kind of impact, the governor in his uh, press conference on the budget was asked about uh, bills with costs in them and if they hit his desk. And he uh, reminded the public and the legislature that if the bills that have a general fund cost aren't addressed in the budget, they will be vetoed. And uh, so that we're likely to see uh, perhaps uh, well, the authors will have to get creative with how to fund bills um, or not fund bills um, in order uh, to, to get the governor's signature this year. And then one more thing that the governor talked about, uh, I think is important for all of us is that um, you know the the state goes through these uh, booms and busts, and that's the volatility because uh, our budget relies mostly on uh, uh, personal income tax, and that's the largest hit uh, to the budget this year and and in other years. So the governor is looking at. Somehow, somehow, working with the legislature to come up with a way to capture more revenues for the reserves in the good years to uh, uh, to use in these types of years, and so that's a big conversation. Um, it was when Governor Brown uh, came up with and and uh, uh, put on the ballot Prop Two, which is the Rainy Day Fund, which began this process of building up reserves. So that, that is also going to be part of this larger conversation. And uh, I, I've gone into kind of those details because it's, this is going to, the budget, the revenues are, are really going to affect everything uh, for the remainder of the year. So with that, I will stop and uh, ask if there are any questions. Uh, thank you, Carolyn. Um, I just have a quick question. Um, What's your opinion with this um, huge budget deficit and how would it impact um, issues that are important to the agency, MWA, if, if you have any well, off the top of your head? For us, yeah, on the water side, um, the, the specific proposals in the budget, um, just uh, I'm going to run a, a few, these are really the big ones. Um, Watershed climate resilience programs um, <clears throat> will see cuts 
of uh, $88 million and a reduction of $350 million over two years. But there will be $56 million remaining in that program. Water recycling took a hit and they're, they're going to cut $174 million in general fund and delay $100 million till 2526 for water recycling and groundwater cleanup. But there is $348 million in the fund. Excuse me. <clears throat> the State Water Efficiency and Enhancement Program, the governor is shifting $20.6 million from general fund to the Greenhouse Gas Reduction Fund and then delays that funding until 2425. Uh, <clears throat> the uh, 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 per a coal substances um, are going to take a budget cut of 71.6 million and a reduction of 30 million in 2425, but there remains 53 million in the, the fund. There's a hit for uh, small farmers, and the governor also cuts $50 million for dam safety investments, maintaining $50 million previously allocated. On the bright side, the governor does propose uh, $94 million in one-time general fund for uh, flood control and flood protection. And so those will go forward. And then another item of, uh, of interest to Mojave is <clears throat> the Oroville Pump Storage Program, State Water Project uh, Program. It has <clears throat> funding built in for future years. That funding, 100 million, is moved, <clears throat> moved out uh, to a future budget year. So it won't be receiving those funds this year. That's uh, bad news that the funding's been moved, but the good news is the line item remains. And that's very important. Um, getting line items is, is a, a battle. So the funding's been moved out. There remains funding in that program, um, but that's one uh, important for the State Water Project. So those are just examples of uh, the water-related um, issues for, for us. Uh, on the other side, the governor put $350 million in general fund into the Water Infrastructure Bank, which um, <clears throat> can be used for water projects. Great. Thank you. Uh, Kathy, any questions? Jesse, any questions? No questions. No, no questions. Carolyn, thank you um, for the update. Looking forward uh, to hearing your next uh, update and see what happens with the uh, the final budget. So appreciate it. Great. Thank you, folks. Have a great day. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. All right, moving on to item five, update on the federal level. And Letitia, I believe I see you there online. Yep, absolutely. Good morning. How is everyone? Great. So I think you're going to myself, Jean, Jeanette. You uh, speak up a little bit better in your mic. I think you're, you're sound a little muffled. Okay. How is that? Better? No. 
No. All right, Gene, you take a see how your mic is. Oh. And I'll call back in. Hi, guys. Good afternoon. Okay, I can hear you better. Yeah, good. Thank you. Oh, great. Okay. Well, um, while Patricia calls back in, we'll just kind of get underway. Um, listening to the state, similar similar activity back here. Congress came back week before last. Um, their first uh, item of business was to pass a continuing resolution to keep the government open. As you may recall, the the CR that was in place from um, from 20 from the end of last year, 2023. Carried um, the government funding partially till January the 19th. The rest was through the first week of February. So their first order of business, knowing that they were not going to be able to complete these uh, FY24 bills, was to get something in place to give them more time, which is what they've done. They put a continuing resolution in place that will fund the government through March 1st and also uh, March 8th for the remaining agencies. Um, still going to be a tight timeline to get that done. Don't have top line numbers yet for the the different uh, subcommittees to begin negotiation. Hopefully that'll happen here shortly. Um, the House is not in session this week. The Senate is. Uh, so, you know, continuing to do a lot of work behind the scenes. Um, as it relates to the federal budget, uh, the Speaker of the House, who has the right to ask the President to come up and do the State of the Union, invited him a little late this year. So instead of in January, when it normally is, it's going to be on March the 7th. And at this time, there's a belief that we probably won't see the federal budget until after the president comes up and gives his State of the Union. So once again, that's going to punt the next fiscal year, FY25, further into uh, further the months, further into uh, 24. Um, so, but we are, uh, Letitia's back and hopefully can talk about um, some funding that directly impacts Mojave that we've got going in FY24 and what we're looking at in this new FY25 budget. Leticia? Yes. Now can you hear me okay? Yes, that's much clearer. Thank you. Much better. Okay, good, good. Yes. So no, we're thrilled to be monitoring the $1.75 million that Mr. Obernolte um, has in the interior bill on behalf of Mojave's Green Project. And we're working closely with staff on what's going to be the next highest priority for the agency for FY25. We're also looking at a variety of bills that are being introduced. We've talked with Ms. Napolitano. She's got a bill that sort of codifies some work with the Corps of Engineers. She hasn't introduced it yet, but we've had a chance to see a draft. And then also we know that uh, your staff is coming back for the ACWA conference in February. So we'll be supporting that visit. Um, we're also um, looking forward to having some of you come back to Washington um, in the not too distant future. Um, and it's always good for elected officials to meet with other elected officials. I know we see Mr. Obernolte from time to time. It'd be nice for you to see his Washington staff as well. Um, so the other thing that we all have to be aware of is that the, the margins are very, very tight. You have Mr. Scalise who's out getting cancer treatment. You have Congressman Rogers who's in the hospital after a small um, automobile accident, and now we have another Republican member who has left the Congress to go run a university. So the margin is very, very tight. You can only lose two votes on the House floor. So you're going to have to start seeing more and more go on bipartisan votes. And so, as Jean said, the CR passed with over 200 Democratic votes, very bipartisan in nature. Um, and I think we're going to see more of that 
in Congress. But happy to answer any other questions that you all may have. Great, thank you. I don't have any questions, uh, Kathy, do you? No questions. Jesse. No questions. No. Well, great. It's good to hear from you uh, ladies again, and uh, we'll appreciate it, and uh, we'll see you uh, next month. Sounds terrific. And we were out there in early January and got to see a few of your directors and also got to visit one of the other facilities we've never seen before. So that was really great as well. Well, great. Uh, appreciate it. Have a, you guys have a Thank great you. rest of your week. All right. Item six. Charlene. I know you've been busy. You've been getting all your emails and updates, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> press releases. Yeah, try not to spam you with those, but uh, let's see here. Did I? And I don't think this is showing to the public yet, so let me fix that. now yes yes okay well happy new year it's not it, we're still january so i can still say that right um we have been busy and november and december we typically don't meet in this committee because of how the holidays fall so this is a little bit of a catch-up report why not uh, is that better yeah good okay uh so this is a little bit of a catch-up report since we didn't meet in november and december due to the holidays and uh look ahead at the busy year we have planned ahead all right, so we jumped right into the year with the very first week by crowning our essay contest winner, and it was Miss Alexis Cisneros, and she is a student at Hesperia High School. And uh, earning this title is really no easy task. We start this in uh, November and December by promoting our contest and uh, to all of the high schools in our service area. And we had 42 entries this year. And uh, these were judged by a group of our region's best communicators, including Gisela Corona Gonzalez from uh, Academic for excuse me, Academy for Academic Excellence. She's the public relations and marketing coordinator over there. We also had as a judge, Shannon Dunkel. She is the public relations specialist for the town of Apple Valley. Uh, we had Miriam Munoz, who is the public information officer for the city of Barstow. And then we had an assist from Kathleen Radnich, who is one of our uh, outreach coordinators and consultants out in the Morongo Basin. So we had a strong group of judges, and they narrowed down the field of our 42 contestants to three. Those three were paired with our prominent members of the community, and uh, they were mentored for a couple of weeks so that they could prepare a presentation that they gave in front of a live audience of friends, family, and those same judges. And this year's finalists and their mentors were of course, Alexis, she was mentored by Hesperia City Manager Rachel Molina. Diego Cruz is a junior at Oak Hills High School. He was mentored by Chris Nunez. He's the Director of Fund Development and Scholarships at the Victor Valley College Foundation. And then Marina Strong, who is a sophomore at Oak Hills High School, uh, was mentored by Terry Sines, the Public Relations and Marketing Manager uh, over at RC, ICR Staffing. And Alexis is going to receive her scholarship at this year's Innovators uh, Youth Water Summit on February 9th in Victorville. 
If you're not familiar with this event, we've done this for several years, and it's one of our signature outreach events for middle and high school students in our service area. This event is designed to educate these young minds about different water-related topics depending on the year. Uh, this year, the theme is the future of water. And the idea is that we show them that they have a place in the future of water, whether it's working in the water industry or just being more responsible stewards of our water. So to help us do that this year, we're actually partnering with Cal State San Bernardino and their Institute of Water Resources. We'll have a team of undergraduate and graduate students on hand at the event uh, presenting our keynote speech and conducting two of our breakout sessions and making themselves available for questions during the event. So we're really excited about this partnership. And we're also very grateful for the County of San Bernardino, who has returned this year as a sponsor. And we have several uh, entities that are going to be in the lobby for hands-on demonstrations. It's just a really big event. So if you get a chance to come by this event, um, it starts at 9 o'clock in the morning and goes through noon over at the High Desert Church campus because it's got a big auditorium in the breakout rooms. And uh, we'd love it if, if, if you could be a part of that. So then... Uh, this is not the only outreach we do. We participate in a handful of career fairs like the one we did last October uh, for the Options for Youth. And it's important to note that the events we participate in are career fair, not job fairs, when it comes to the high schools and sometimes the middle schools. And that means that they're more educational in nature and not events where uh, people are actually uh, submitting job applications. And it's another outreach goal for us to reach our uh, younger population early about the importance of water stewardship, conservation, and working in the water industry. And sometimes this means thinking about getting a degree. Sometimes it means getting into a technical track or a technical school or hands-on apprenticeships. And uh, that's what we really try and uh, share there. All right, so, and our outreach isn't limited to students. We host a variety of classes and events for adults and families. Uh, we held a Wonders of Water workshop last November, and we have several events planned for 2024. Uh, in fact, this Thursday, we start our Seed to Salad class, and that's an online course with partnership uh, in partnership with the Mojave Desert Resource Conservation District. And we did this for the first time last year. It was really popular. We had several signups. This is a multi-week class, and it design it is designed to teach people to go from bare dirt to um, a meal that they can serve. And the weekly classes are going to continue through May 2nd, and you can find a sign-up link on the agency's website. All right, so we also have other virtual classes planned, and the most recent was a two-part class on how to design a drip irrigation system. And again, all of these classes and the links to register are on our website. Uh, one of our newest outreach and education programs is our Water Sleuth program. We recently did a pilot run of this hands-on program that will teach students about basin recharge and water quality. It's really interactive and gives students an opportunity to be part of creating water sustainability in their community for generations to come. So we would love to do this more out in the community. Uh, we love the test run that we did. 
And then in December, we had board member Marina West attending the ribbon cutting of the newly installed Mojave Desert Land Trust Discovery Garden. Uh, this was made possible by our strategic partners grant program that the agency offers each year. Uh, I need to give a big recognition to our conservation specialist, Liz Fratt. She's here with us. Uh, she administers this program, and there's a lot of work involved in managing the applications, getting the information out there, tracking the projects, accepting the receipts, and processing all the, the reimbursements with our finance department. Uh, so she does a great job in that, and we're in the middle of that uh, cycle again. And among all of the projects we've gone over so far, I want to note that we also continue to engage in a lot of other standard public information and community outreach functions and tasks. As um, our chair mentioned, we have a lot of press releases that go out. We engage in social media to try and um, you know reach as many people as we can with our outreach events, our classes, and our activities. And uh, that's really thanks to the diligence of our communication specialists specialist, uh, Kenny Sousa, and he is also here today. And if you're not following us on Facebook and Instagram, you really should. Uh, we're easy to find, and we will usually post links to our latest press releases, show featured photos from our events, and a lot more. <coughs> and of course, we also continue to network with numerous, numerous partner organizations, such as the Greater High Desert Chamber of Commerce meetings, High Desert Hispanic Chamber of Commerce meetings. Uh, we'll be participating on Friday as a sponsor for the Southern California Water Coalition quarterly meeting down in Riverside, and then the California Groundwater Commission quarterly meetings, also Association of San Bernardino County Special District meetings, and High Desert Public Relations Coalition. So lo lots of Lots of meetings. Some of these are monthly, bi-monthly, quarterly. Uh, so we're constantly engaging with other groups and agencies to network with them and strengthen our partnerships. And that's a lot of the reasons why we can put all the pieces together for things like our water summits or our classes. We're just getting in contact with the uh, people in the community who have resources to those, uh, who have access to those resources. So then I will just wrap up by going over a few of the things that we have. Uh, again, I invite any and all of you to pop by any of these activities, uh, introduce yourselves, and um, or I can introduce you, and be a part of it. Our seed to salad course begins January 25th. Our AWAC, which is our Awareness for Water, Awareness for Water uh, Conservation, and we're going to have an in-person meeting held this Monday, January 29th, so you can pop on by for that. And this will be the first one that we've had in person for a while, uh, obviously due to the pandemic. I know we used to have them periodically beforehand, so we are having our first one next week. Again, our Water Summit, and our we will be meeting with the PR Coalition on Valentine's Day. So with that, I know I talked kind of fast, so if you have any questions, let me know. Great, Charlene, as always. Thank you. You're very busy. You have done a great job with um, putting MWA out there and uh, getting the community involved, which is great to see. Sure trying. Questions? Nope. No questions. Yes. No questions. Good work. Thank you so much. All right. Public participation, uh, we have anybody? I see uh, Hayden came in, um, you wanna speak? Um, from Obernolte's office? Is there anyone else? Uh, Not at this time. Okay, thanks. You're up, Hayden. Good morning, everybody. 
So as we already heard uh, with your legislative staff talking about what's going on in the federal government when it comes to the budget and how they're still working on said budget, uh, I'll keep my update relatively short for what's, what Congressman Obernolte has been able to do uh, while there is this gridlock in Congress right now. Uh, what I want to talk about is the Fusion Energy Act. Now, this is a bipartisan bill that Congressman Obernolte wholeheartedly supported. Uh, what this bill does is that it opens up the infrastructure to invest in fusion energy. As many people well know, the state of California has some of the highest rates of industrial electricity cost in the nation. This means that public agencies and individuals, we are paying more in the state of California than any other state in the nation. Now, this fusion energy bill invests money into our infrastructure to put fusion energy back into the hands of the American people. And this means that this will lower the costs of energy across the entire state and the nation. Uh, this is very important because, as you well know, the state of California has not really been investing in their uh, electrical grid. Uh, this has caused many problems because they're also not invested, they're not investing in water infrastructure as well, such as water retention. So bills like this uh, help fix a lot of the problems that we see in the state uh, with the rising costs for the American people. Uh, people are paying more for groceries, people are paying more for energy, people are paying more for fuel. So this is one of this is a major step to help lower these costs for agencies and for individuals. Uh, as we already heard, Congressman Obernolte is in Congress right now. And he's fighting for a balanced budget, but he also wants to make sure that the federal government is getting money to our community. Uh, that is our, his job as a congressman. That is what our office is here to do, is to make sure that we represent the people. And we want to help represent Mojave Water Agency. And as we heard, uh, our staff has already been you know, in contact to make sure that anything that you guys need, you can reach out to our office for. This is what we're here for. So as I said, I would keep it short and sweet for everybody. So thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. General manager report. Nothing okay. further. Thank okay. you. Okay, great. Anybody have any comments, future discussion items? Nope. No. All right. That brings us to adjournment at uh, 04. Thank you.